Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. Everyone say welcome home. One more time, welcome home. Thank you. Thank you, it's good to be back. But you're all welcomed home too. This is a wonderful place. Your pastor, Matthew, and his wife, Heather, dear friends, and uh, great to be back here with you all. And I have to tell you, um, it's been an exciting year. Um, And as we approach 2019, I know that it's February, but there may be one or two of us here in the room that missed the opportunity of kicking off the new year with a New Year's resolution or starting some new habits. Are there any of us, anyone, like, ooh, I missed it? It's February. We get to start over, okay? So if you didn't get to start something new in January, you're going to get to start something new in February. And today's message is titled Prayer Habits. Everyone say Prayer Habits. And the reason I've chosen this word habits is because um, it's really going to help us apply uh, the lifestyle of prayer each and every day. And so I'm going to invite you to join me and stand in the honor of God's word. We're going to turn to the book of Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Let's all stand together and we're going to put the scripture up on the screen and you can join and read this aloud with me. Mark chapter 1. Verse 35, let's read this together. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Remain standing, let's pray together. God, we thank you for your scripture that is speaking to us today. Dear Lord, may we not just know it, but may we obey it and live it for your glory. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Mark's gospel is a vivid account of Jesus's ministry, but it's emphasizing more what Jesus did than what he said. And we just got done reading Mark chapter 1, verse 35, which was an account of the habit of prayer in the life of Jesus. Now, we could pause and say, well, Tim, are there other people from the Bible that we should study on the habit of prayer? We could turn back to Daniel and look at his life, but there are many that we could look at and observe the habit of prayer in their life. But this morning, we're looking at the role model of the habit of prayer in the life of Jesus, the Son of the living God. Here he is, Christ exemplifying prayer for us as we just read in Mark chapter 1 verse 35 it's a testimony of what he did more than what he said how many of us could just pause for a moment and ponder of someone who taught us much in life did we learn more from that person by what they said or by what they did think about that for a moment who has taught you much Did you learn from them by what they showed you that they were doing or by what they told you you should do? So I I reflect for a moment 
in my own life, and I think of my grandfather, uh, Charles DiPietro, and I would observe him praying in the morning. He had a, actually it was a blue reclining chair in his home, and I remember when I would stay at my grandparents' home, often long before I woke up, Grampy was there at his chair. And I saw how prayer mattered to my grandfather. He didn't have to tell me this is important. I saw him do it. And so here we just read this account of Jesus. We can go to the next slide. Now, when? In the morning. Having risen. Now, I've, I've tried this. Maybe you've tried this. Have you ever tried to lay down and pray? You know, I could bring Scott back up from the worship team and ask him to share with us the sound of what happens when you lay down and pray. Is a snoring sound, okay? <laughs> I'm just getting real with you people. Having risen a long while before daylight, he went. And I love that word went because it's an action of moving ourselves to a place where out and departed to a solitary place. How many of you, just show of hands, let's be honest. This how many of you live a distracted life? Come on, show of hands. This morning prior to service, the men gathered around me in pastor's office to pray, and they asked the question, Tim, do you have a prayer request? Clarity. Clarity. Because we live in such a distracted world. I mean, you, you, before you wake up, the phone's already trying to get to you, right? You know? I mean, it's just unbelievable how distracted we can become. And Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place. Because in a solitary place, we're removed from distractions. And there he, say it with me, prayed. And there he prayed. And so if prayer mattered to Jesus, prayer should matter to us. If prayer mattered to Jesus, then prayer should matter to us. And Jesus role models the habit of prayer here in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And so this morning, I want to help lead us through a process of some habit building because these three keys to habits are going to help us to apply the priority of prayer in our lives. And so I define a habit briefly here by the simple phrase, a slow and steady pursuit over time. A slow and steady pursuit over time. So it's been studied in habit building. When a habit is broken is the moment you stop doing the habit. It's that simple, okay? So a habit is broken the moment... You stop doing the habit. And so it's a slow and steady pursuit over time having a habit. In my spiritual life, I would probably put in parentheses next to this definition the word faithfulness. Faithfulness. And so this morning when I come here to preach at Crosslink, I step into this pulpit first out of reverence to God, reverence to God at work through this church, and out of respect to the people of God that have come through this church. Your church is bigger than big. 
It's bigger than the people that are gathered in this room today. And this is a full room. And what's amazing about your church is that it spans generations and it touches eternity. So there's deep reverence to God and his work here. And then there's deep respect to the people of God that have come through this church that are here today and have been scattered around the world and doing the work of the Lord here in the valley and in the nations. And I say this to you today, that the pursuit over time is often not that wow. Because <laughs> it's about the steady and the slow that gets you there, that faithfulness. So I, I would give us this morning this challenge that for us to establish the habit of prayer in our life, that we would actually skip the goal and start the habit. So someone said, well, I have the goal to pray more. Skip it. I have the goal to pray every morning. Skip it. Well, I have the goal to, to pray more in groups. Skip it. Establish the habit, and you'll have that steady pursuit over time. When it comes to habit building, I want to give us three keys this morning. And the first key I want to share with us is start with intention. Start with intention. The goal is not a specific result. The goal is to become a specific person. Here in Mark chapter 35, now in the morning having risen, a long while before daylight, he went out. Jesus was a praying person. And a praying person prays. So uh, I'm not a professional athlete, unless you consider miniature golf a professional sport. Can I get a witness? But when I talk to marathon runners, the conversation they have with me when I ask them, how do you prepare to run a marathon? They have the habit of running because they're a runner. Runners run. Praying people pray. And even marathon runners and how they train, they'll train in groups. I'm just going to pause for a moment and be personal with your church. I love that Crosslink's going to have a night of prayer. How awesome is that? That you're going to pray together. Because when you train together, you know, if, if I were to go to the gym alone, it'd be pretty easy to be distracted we live in a distracted world, distracted from that shiny red circle on the Krispy Kreme store as I'm driving toward the gym. But if Pastor Matthew picked me up in the morning to go to the gym with him because we were going to meet another group of guys there to work out, the habit would be stronger because I'm in a group, which is why I would beg you to be a part of your small groups here at the church. Because you're stronger together. The habit is stronger when you're running together. This race to be a praying person. I get an amen? Thank you. There was three of you. That was good. I know it's still early. I know. Start with intention. The goal is not a specific result. The goal is to become a specific person. We could either be a lazy person. We get home tonight and... We're not going to be home tonight. You're going to all be here for Laugh All Night. It's going to be an awesome night of comedy. 
But you could get home and go, I'm going to be a lazy person, and I'm going to sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix for three hours. But make it four. This, this episode's really going great. Good cliffhanger. Got to go watch another seven, right? Or I could be an active person. You know, and the active person is going to keep moving. But today, my hope and prayer is that we go from here with the desire in our hearts to be a praying person. Be a praying person. Because a praying person prayers. And if prayer mattered to Jesus, prayer should matter to us. And so before I dive into these next two keys for building the habit of prayer in our life, I want to share with you two stories. And these two stories are moments of when prayer was of great importance in my own life. One is a moment in time in Haiti, and the second is a moment in time in my own personal life where intercessory prayer played a big part. So in Haiti in 1983, my mother and father moved our family there to start a mission. And our mission was located on five acres of land down a three-mile dirt road on the ocean, we had no electricity, no running water, no toilet facilities. It was primitive. We were actually camping out for the first three months in tents. But that very first year of establishing this mission where we would plant churches and establish Christian schools and medical clinics, we needed water at our mission. We had no water. So we finally had enough funding, and we invited these well drillers to come to our mission and drill for water. Unfortunately, we were too close to the ocean. When they went down, they just got mud and salt water, there was, there was nothing good for us to consume. But we did not have enough money to attempt again at drilling a well. So for years, literally over three years, we would drive over five miles one way to another well location to fetch water for us to consume and also use to cook school food for thousands of children. We needed water. We had no well. So finally, after three-plus years we invited these well drillers to come back. And as a matter of fact, they were from Virginia, some good Mennonite well drillers. And they came to our mission. And my father said to them, before you drill a well for us here at the mission, we want you to go drill a well for the closest village of Nepali. Now, put yourself in my shoes for a moment. Here you were in Haiti, right? We had no water for years. And now the well drillers are back. Wow, Right? What do you think we did that week? We prayed. Oh, we prayed. We prayed early in the morning. We prayed late at night. We would fast. We would pray, we would pray at the location where they were going to drill. We prayed together. We prayed in solitary. We prayed, Lord, we need water. So the well drillers went to the village first and they drilled a well. And, and that was risky, sending them off to go do that project first. But to God's glory, they hit an artesian spring and that village got an artesian well to the glory of God. And the next day they come to our mission. We've been praying. They go to the spot and they start drilling. Anticipation's rising. And, and then they hit bedrock and the drill bit stops. They couldn't drill any further. My father asked him, is there any way you can keep on drilling through that rock? And the well drillers began to drill little by little, little by little. And eventually another 15 feet and they hit an aquifer 
At 175 feet, water began to gush up out of the ground under its own pressure and began to flood the mission. It was a miracle. We got water to the glory of God. It was amazing, a miracle well. As a matter of fact, it made a geological discovery and we started drilling. Actually, UNICEF came and studied our well. We started drilling wells all across the coastal plain of Laogon and we would go down and hit an aquifer and go down and hit an aquifer and began drilling wells across this coastal plain. Prayer mattered. I saw the importance of it. It delivered this essential resource of water to a village and now to a mission to prepare meals for children. Second story I want to tell you is about prayer that impacted my life through intercessory prayer. You see, when my mother uh, found out she was pregnant with me, there was of some concern because prior to me, my, my, my mother had seven children and four died. So she needed to go seek some medical advice about this new pregnancy. And so she met with the Boston, at Boston Children's Hospital. She met with the chief of staff. And the chief of staff advised my mother, due to medical reasons, to schedule a procedure, an abortion, because there was no hope for my pregnancy. So my mother was driving home that night, and to put in perspective, she was a pastor's wife, and she was the president of Women's of a Globe, New England, and she's driving back home, and she knew she needed to keep it a secret, wasn't going to tell her husband, but with a heavy heart, she picked up the phone that night, and she called her mother and said, Mom, I'm pregnant again. It's complicated due to medical reasons. The chief of staff advised, I scheduled this procedure. I need to keep it a secret, but I have a heavy heart. I just wanted to share it with you and not. Uh, just pray I sleep in peace. And, and she was just, just overwhelmed by all this emotion and concern. When she hung up the phone, little did she know her eldest son, George Jr., was on the stairwell. And George Jr. heard the phone conversation that she had with her mother. And he came down the stairs that night and walked up to his mommy and says, Mommy, if you know the baby is going to die, why not let the baby die on its own? like the others. And she said, it's complicated, son. Go ahead and get some rest. Everything will be fine. But the next morning, my mother had a change of heart, and she called the hospital and canceled my abortion and gave birth to me on September 29th, 1972. And I was born premature. They, they later found out I was immature. That's another story. But I actually had uh, some medical complications prior to being born. I had six blood transfusions in my mother's womb. And then after being born, they gave me another 19 blood transfusions. And the doctors said to my mother they had reached their medical limit. They had never given so many blood transfusions before. And my father was brought to my side in the incubator at one point, And the doctor pleaded with my father to pull the plug that there was no hope for his son. And my father says, no, I want my son. And the doctor says, no, you have to understand, if he survives at best, he'll be a vegetable. I recommend you pull the plug. And my father said, no, I, I want my son. You see, people were praying. They were interceding. People were praying. And the doctor persisted and said, no, Mr. us. You need to understand, put it in perspective, the amount of costs it will take you to keep your son alive could buy you a chateau in France. And my dad said, no. No, I want my son. 
Some would say that my life is a miracle. I'm here this morning to say, if you are breathing, you are a miracle. Life is a gift. And my brother advocated on my behalf, and people were praying and interceding, and intercessory prayer matters, and it is important. And I have seen the power of prayer in my life through wells being drilled in Haiti and bringing the source of water to villages to my own life being rescued through prayer. And so if prayer mattered to Jesus, prayer should matter to us. Dear Lord, would you make us a a praying person? Last night I was praying about something that's been heavy on my heart, and I'm calling out to God about this need and this concern I have, and even confusion. And all I could hear back was, I already have it figured out. Have you ever prayed hoping that God would give you kind of a glimpse into the plan and the process and the secret that he has in store. Like, don't, you just want to know. You want to be in on the know. Like, God, fill me in. I want to know, right? No, God, all he said to me was, I already have it figured out. So as we pray, we trust. Even Jesus prayed and prayers that Jesus prayed He had to trust that God already had it figured out. Lord, would you take this cup away from me if if this is your will? And Jesus still went to the cross in obedience to the will of God because God already had it figured out. So as we pray, as we're a praying person, we have to have that trust that God already has it figured out. But sometimes we don't see or know at all. So let's dive into this on the habits of prayer The second key to habits, hear me clearly, is show up. Show up. Starting small is the best way to build a habit. If I was your personal coach, I would tell you, just show up at the gym. Open the door and show up. The rest will take care of itself. You want to grow spiritually? You want to become a fully devoted follower of Christ? You want to step up your game and say, God, I want more of you in my life. Show up. You're here on Sunday. Show up. What's going to happen next week? I don't know. But just show up. God will do something. Go to small group. I'm busy this week. No, show up. See God at work just by showing up. Sometimes we want to know every step and every way and all the plans and how, what's, it going to, what's going to be like at, you know, at, at 11, 12 at church. I don't know. That's when Tim's going to start spitting on the front row. Just show up. What impresses me about people with great habits is they consistently show up. They consistently show up. And when Jesus exemplified this in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, we read it. It says, and he departed to a what? Say it with me. Solitary place. And he departed to a solitary place. So as we show up, we go to a place. We go to a place. In my home... I have a prayer chair. And uh, husbands and wives for a moment, um, 
Do you know when you walk into the bedroom and there's a nightstand on the left and the right and you can look and tell who sleeps where? Don't nudge them. Don't nudge them. You know what I'm talking about? So let's just say that I'm more of the neat one and my wife's more of the creative one. I don't know. What would you call it? Don't say it. Cluttery? No. Are you watching, babes? We love you. I hope Duke and Daisy and our German short-haired pointers are not tearing apart the house today. So I established a prayer chair in our home that I like to go to. But sometimes my wife will put things on the chair, you know, because she's rearranging things, right? You got to take the stuff off the chair. And I go to the chair. And Pastor Matthew was asking me earlier, how did I pick the chair? Why did I pick the chair? And in reflecting on that, Pastor Matthew, I think part of it was I saw my grandfather model for me prayer and how he would go to his blue reclining chair and pray. But the other reason I picked the chair is because of the trigger it is on the habit. And it said in habit building, you need triggers. To run, it may be the song you listen to that triggers your body to go, run. Sunday morning, it may be the song you listen to. Before I preach, every time there are three songs I listen to before I preach as I drive to church. As a trigger of where my heart needs to be in the posture of my preaching and the purpose to be in the room. And so I do that as a trigger of the habit of, I want to preach God's word today. So when I see the chair, when I walk by the room, it's a trigger. I want to go there. I want to go to that place. I see it. I want to be there. I was reading this one article on habit building, and they said, if you want to work out more, put the weights in the middle of the room. <laughs> I thought that was awesome, right? right? So I moved my perfect push-up deal in the middle of my office at home. So when I walk in the office at home, it's like, I, bet, I better drop and do 25, right? And then take a nap. <laughs> but we show up. We go to a place. Jesus went to a solitary place. Where is that place for you? Do you have one? Is it, is it the pathway behind the home? Is it, is it the closet down the hallway? Where is the place you go to? When you all gather here for a night of prayer, this will be the place. Oh, I wish I were going to be here with you to come to the place to pray together as a praying people. That's so powerful that we would show up and go to a place. The first key was to start with intention. Be a praying person. The second key for the habit of prayer in our life is to show up, is to go to a place. And the third key to the habit of prayer is to stick with it, to stick with it. Now, I mentioned my grandfather and how he role modeled for me prayer. But what I didn't tell you about my grandfather was this past June, he turned 100. Yeah, he turned 100. <laughs> yes. And I called him the month of his birthday in May, and I wanted to talk to my grandfather and wish him a happy birthday month. I mean, who do you get to call and wish happy birthday on their 100th month? I call, and my grandmother answers. Hello? I'm like, hey, Grandma, it's Timmy. Who is it? It's Timmy. I'm calling from Florida. Oh, Timmy. What can I do for you, Timmy? <laughs> is Grampy home? Oh, no, Grampy's outside. 
what's he doing, Grandma? He's cutting the grass. Grandma, he's 100. I don't cut the grass. <laughs> My wife does now. Anyway. <laughs> well, Grandma, just have Grampy call me back when he's done. I want to wish him a happy birthday. Oh, Timmy, it's going to be a little while. He's going to cut the grass for the widow next door first. He's 100. And he's exemplifying to me what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself. And last time I was here, I shared about that. He's exemplified to me praying consistently. Oh, my goodness. Because key number three is stick with it. I like to say it this way. It's easier to be creative than to be consistent. I'll give you an example. Tomorrow morning, I can wake up and say, I'm going to be creative. Today, I'm going to jump rope. Next day, I wake up. Today, I'm going to jump jacks, jumping jacks. The next day, oh, I'm going to go run a little bit. You know, there's just all this creative stuff I'm going to do. But am I consistent? Day in and day out. i got to stick with it. Because that's exactly where the enemy would want us to be, is to be distracted and not stick with it. To be distracted and not stick with it. And so we got to put down the iPhone and stick with the habit of prayer. I get another amen? Amen. So let's apply this. And the application of this is really about preparation, okay? Because if you and I were to go to the gym tomorrow morning or go out running, we would prepare. We would prepare. We would put on the running shoes. Not going to show up at the gym with jeans and boots on. Not going to start running the three-mile run in the morning wearing flip-flops. Although there are some races that like that Spartan crazy people out there, right? You know. But you know what I'm saying? You prepare yourself for the habit that you're living And so we need to prepare ourselves to be a praying person. So first, we need to open our heart and our mind as we prepare ourselves. It's a posture of prayer. I want to prepare. I want to open up my heart and my mind. This is a spiritual work. It's less of me and more of him. Prepare ourselves. Secondly, is to, to be used of God. May we listen for his promptings. Intercessory prayer, you, you will hear the prompting through your heart and your spirit of God in your life to go, I should be praying for that person. It happens to me with your pastor. Oftentimes, I'll text Pastor Matthew, you were on my heart, my mind today, and I'll reach out to him. I'm praying for you. Is there anything specific? And just reaching out, the prompting was there. And thirdly is, is that we give God the glory. It's that we give God, the glory. I want to back up just for a moment on key number three about stick with it. Because sticking with it is about consistency over time. And here's where we tend to trail off the habit. Been consistent, consistent, and we, we kind of just, eh, I'm going to skip today. And then we we skip tomorrow, and then it's just like, eh. Because consistency becomes the challenge. But when it comes to prayer, the pursuit of consistency is when we see the answered prayers. 
And I, and I, can't, I can't overlook that point for us this morning because Jesus exemplified for us the habit of prayer and that consistency was to see God show up through the answered prayers. And that may take time. For each of us, may we be consistent in prayer. And as we pray together, other people are praying with us. And then we see their answered prayer. And they see our answered prayer. And our faith is strengthened. Yes, we will pray, God, would you take us through this challenge we're facing? But the power of God in our life is that he wants to grow us in the challenge of going through the challenge. And it's that consistency that brings that maturity in our prayer life, the habit of prayer, that we will be intentional to be the praying person, that we will show up and go to the place, and that, that we would stick with it and be consistent. Oh, dear Lord, would you answer these prayers, we ask. We've prepared ourselves. We open up our heart and our mind. God, we want to be used of you. We're listening to your promptings. And we do all this because we want to give you the glory that his name would be lifted up. It's not that we're, we're home this week and we're a praying person and then we show up next week with our super prayer warrior shirt on. It's like, hey, that's right, I'm a super prayer warrior. You know? No, it's for God to receive the glory, amen? For God to receive the glory. I want to turn back to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. In reading it, now in the morning having risen. Dear Lord, would you give us the supernatural strength to rise up and not retreat, to be active and not be lazy. God, would you give us a supernatural strength to rise up and not lay down? Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out. Dear Lord, would you give us that motivation spiritually to go out and depart to a solitary place? Dear Lord, would you give us that place that we can go to where there's a solitary place, that there's no distraction? It may be a dark room. It may be the phone's buried in the drawer someplace else. Would you put us in the place that we can have this solitary time with you? Don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to show up and just go there to pray. God, would you do that for our lives? Jesus, as you exemplified it, God, would you orchestrate that for us, Lord? But I leave you with this. And I was recently driving from Orlando to Nashville, and I was going to be in the car like 14 and a half hours. And I'm driving and driving, hour one, hour two, hour three, hour four, five, six. I got to go to an urgent care because the coughing has gone from clear to color. I'm just getting real with you. And if you, you, you all know what I'm talking about, right? When you're coughing and stuff's coming up and it goes from clear to color, you realize there's an infection in me, something's wrong. Come on, I'm just being real. Any real people out there, you've had this happen to you, right? I'm coughing, I'm driving, I got 14 hours on the road, I'm in another state, and I'm showing up at an urgent care, right? My wife's a nurse, I'm on the phone, and she goes, you better get to a place right now. She knows I'm stubborn, I won't go, I'll just, you know, drink more airborne and vitamin C and whatever. No, you got to go. You got to go. Babes, I'm in another. You got you to go. I show up at the urgent care and I walk in. First thing they do is they have you stand on a scale. After that humiliating experience, they then do something to me. They've never met me before. They would do it to you too. 
they take my vital signs. Those of you in the medical field, you know what they are, right? They're checking your heart rate. They're checking your pulse, your respiratory, right? They're checking your temp. I got to look at my notes to make sure I remember what they are. Your blood pressure. They're checking your vital signs. Prayer is our vital sign spiritually. Jesus exemplified for us the habit of prayer. He went out to a solitary place and prayed early in the morning. He went out to pray because it was a vital sign to his spiritual health. And as we go from here, may we make prayer a priority because prayer mattered to Jesus. May we have the habit of prayer in our life because we are a praying person. Dear Lord, help us to remove the distractions and find that place that we can show up and see you at work. And that we would show up it may be a chair. It may be a pathway that you walk. It may be a closet you step into. Wherever it would be, would you just show up? God, I'm going to pray today. I'm a praying person. I want to see you at work. I'm going to show up. Because this habit of prayer is something I do consistently because if it mattered to Jesus, it's going to matter to me because Jesus was a praying person. I love this church and I love you and I'm so glad that we can be on this journey together of being praying people. So I want to pray with you right now that we would rise up as people of prayer so that your church would reach the valley and reach the nations and have an eternal impact because we prayed. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for my dear friends here today at Crosslink and I Thank you for the scripture that exemplified for us what Jesus did. Dear Lord, thank you for speaking to us today. Lord, may we show up. God, may we be consistent. God, may you make us praying people. And then God, help remove the distractions so we can stick with it. That we would have that consistency over time and that faithfulness for your glory. We ask, and all God's people said, amen. Simple question. And that question is this. Are you desperate for God in prayer? Are you desperate for God in prayer? Several years ago, I was talking with a missionary who was at the church that I was pastoring at the time, and in the process of his preaching, he was giving us several testimonies of how God was answering prayers and working in the various villages of his country. And I was blown away by some of the testimonies, and so over lunch, I asked him, I said, you know, you share all the different ways that God's working and moving in your country, and, and that miraculous things are happening. Why is it that you think that it seems like God often doesn't work in that way in America, but he is so clearly working that way in other countries. And he told me, he said, you know, he said, Matthew, he said, I, I don't know all the answers to that. He said, but I will tell you that one thing that's very different about the people of our country and the people of America. I said, what's that? He said, when our people pray, they pray desperately. They pray with desperation. I was reminded of that this week when I was in Nicaragua. I was speaking with one of the pastors and we were talking about some specific medical things. 
And I said, what do you do when this happens? Thinking that he would say, well, we go to this doctor, we go to the big city, to this clinic. But the reality is so few people can actually get to them. And when they do, they don't have the, many of the technologies and benefits that we have here. And he said, well, pastor, we pray. And I said, what happens if God doesn't answer? He said, then we call the whole church to pray. And we pray through the night. Or we fast and pray for days. What he was describing was this. He was saying, our hope is God. And so we depend upon him in prayer. You know, I I, I love what Pastor Tim said today about just showing up. It's amazing when we actually take that step to show up. It's amazing if it's really important in our life, if it's, if it's something that really matters, if it's a priority, we're going to show up. We're going to do it. I saw that modeled this week. When I was in Nicaragua, we were uh, doing several things in the villages, but one of my primary responsibilities and privileges uh, was to lead a pastor's training. We went to four different regions of the country where we were training current pastors and those who felt called to preach who were studying and training to be pastors. They called it their seminary. And uh, in each of the classes, there was on average about 20 students. And each of them from different villages, they came from all over. Every person in the seminary, most of them came from over an hour away. Many of them walked to get there. We started seminary one morning and You know, it's amazing, even with the language barrier, just by countenance and responsiveness, there are certain times, certain people you connect with as you're communicating or preaching. And so we had the translator, I would communicate a point and the translator would, he'd he'd speak that in the Spanish language so that they would understand. And, And really just after the very first session that morning, there were several people, but one specific young man that I just seemed to connect with. Like he was so responsive, had so much joy that it just blessed me. And so after the first session, I asked, where is he from? Is he from here? I'd love to go see his village. And the translator said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, well, where is he from? He said, from a very far place away. I said, well, how far did he have to come to get here? He went on to tell me the story that this young man, about the age of 23 years old, travels five hours one way to get to the school to train that begins at 9 a.m. In fact, he takes a three-hour ride down a mountain. He lives his house and his village is up on a mountain, a three-hour ride down the mountain by horse. He gets to the most local city, and then he takes a two-hour bus ride in every month when they have the training. And to be honest with you, I was blown away that this kid would go five hours to get there for training. And I said, I said, man, that's amazing. He said, actually, he said, the, the more intriguing part, he said, actually, he said, this is the dry season, but during the rainy season, there's a, a large ravine that becomes a river that he has to cross to get here. And he said, literally, they put a rope from one side of the river to the other. They have an inner tube, and you can pay money to do this. You have to get in the inner tube, and you literally, with your arms, pull yourself across the river. He has to do that during the rainy season to get the bus to come to training. And, and during those times, he literally will have a, pack, uh, a backpack on his back with dry clothes so when he gets past the river, he can change and come in for the training. And the missionary told me, he said, he is in year two, the second month of a three-year training, and he's never missed a single class. Blew me away. 
I thought, man, how, how petty are some of our excuses not to show up? So when the training ended that day, and it was time, well, at least my portion of the training ended that day, it was time for lunch. I went over and began to have a conversation with him. And I told him, I said, thank you for being here. I, I've heard your story. And so I, I told him, I said, uh, I have to ask you something. I said, why do you keep coming? Why do you come all this way for this training? And you know, when you're in a different culture and there's a language barrier, you use a lot of hand motions to communicate. And he had a good sense of humor. He, he said, first, he took his hand and he put it to his mouth and then he rubbed his belly, which was to say, first I've come because the food is good. And I was like, well, you're definitely a Christian. That's a, you know, that's a... But then he said, second. And he was saying some things to me and he, he just put his hands out and opened them like this. He's talking and he's pointing up. <laughs> I had no idea what he was trying to tell me. I knew it had something to do with the Lord. And so I asked the translator to come over. Roberto, come over. What is he saying? And this guy, here's what he was saying. I come all this way because I simply want to be used of the Lord. What this guy was saying who has almost nothing was I just want my life to be used for the Lord. He wouldn't dare miss a class because his desperate desire is to see God move in his life and to move through his life because his village does not know Jesus. And I've thought about that example a hundred times since Wednesday. And I've thought, you know, Lord, am I, am I that desperate for you? Are you so much a priority in my life that I would show up and be there and go the extra mile? Or do I just show up when it's convenient and easy? Satan will make sure that your time with the Lord is never convenient or easy. God's inviting us to show up. And I want to challenge us to be the people God's called us to be. I want to challenge us as a church to be the church God's called us to be. To show up, to stick with it, and let it be our desire. God, it's not about me. It's not about my wants. It's not about my needs. It's about your kingdom come. It's about your will being done. It's all for your glory. God, would you use me? You know what I think will happen when we begin to be desperate for God? <laughs> God will show up. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.